Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. fans and welcome to this monday night edition of the chgo bears after dark podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook download the app and use promo code chgo when you sign up and how's it going everybody will dewitt greg braggs jr here to kind of kick off tonight's after dark of course cody will join us in 15 minutes to share his monday night football bets and nicholas moriano will join us in about a half hour to have some really i think in-depth and interesting bears discussions that we have on tap here this evening but greg man how's it going you surviving we're, we're almost through it we're almost there <laughs> yeah we're almost there uh i almost had a mental breakdown yesterday watching the game and then had another mental breakdown during our post-game show uh yesterday <laughs> so i'm getting through it as best i can i mean it's to me i i've i've defended this coaching staff I feel like they're trying to get the most out of nothing when it comes to the talent on the roster, all due respect. Uh, they're really turning – like to me, they've developed and, and coached them up to compete in these games. Obviously, uh, yesterday they let go of the rope probably for the first time this season. But playing – as I said in my rant to start yesterday's show and, and talked about it a ton on Twitter and everything else at nauseum, to play Justin Fields – not only to play him in the second half and play him with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter of a 30-point blot, but the way they used him in the first half, I also find offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, all of that across the board was some of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen from any coaching staff ever. And I'm trying not to be hyperbolic when I say that, but I'm sorry. You don't use a quarterback like that. He's showing he's hurt. Then you use him again. Uh, and you throw him, you know, uh, QB, you know, power right into a brick wall of three defensive linemen. Unacceptable, you know, and to use him at the end the way they did, I just thought it was disrespectful. All, all the credit to Justin Fields for his toughness and leadership. He's going out there and, and doing who being who he is. 
but for the coaches to use him like he's a backup quarterback, uh, you know, you know, finishing up the game in a thirty-point blowout with two minutes to go, I found it disrespectful, and I and I and I have a huge problem with it, and it makes me question. Just it makes me question Matt Eberflus. I think his situational play, situational decisions this year, play calling wise, have been questionable. Well, this was a situational moment too. They talked about it after the game. Well, we thought about taking him out. No, you should have taken him out. And I have a real issue with it. <laughs> so more than 24 hours have passed, but I feel like just based off of my you know softball that question that came your check. way, yeah, your your blood pressure I think is still up there a little bit. I'm steaming. I was steaming at work all day about it too. I talked to a few friends about it and it, it got just as heated. Every time I start to talk about it, I I start swearing and get my heart rate starts pumping. I, I honestly, if I had been at home, I probably would have smashed my TV. That's how upset I was at the studio watching the game yesterday. It, it, it To me, it's just so irresponsible to use your quarterback that way. And I know we are all like, oh, you know, uh, don't bring up injuries. You know, you're going to jinx it. You're speaking it into existence and stuff. I, I, at this point, if the coaches want to be this stupid, I'm not afraid of any jinx because they're putting themselves in this position. We saw it with Derrick Rose in this city. Next week, they're going to play him in front of that Soldier Field crowd. And if something happens, God forbid, it'll be one of the worst moments in Chicago sports history. If it, If it's something disastrous. And that's what they're, that's the, that's the tree they're barking up. So all these people that, oh, you know, he's a football player, da, 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 you're soft, whatever. You can say whatever you, you can have whatever. I don't agree. I vehemently disagree. And it's, it's to a point where you're playing with fire. And if they make it out of the season without an injury, they're lucky. And they honestly don't deserve them uh, by the way they use them and, and get that luck of something not happening to them when they're, being irresponsible with the most valuable asset in this franchise. I I can't overstate it enough. I mean, like I said, I know we talked a lot about it on the post game yesterday, but it's at the forefront of my mind and it's the biggest, it's the only thing I'm worried about for the game Sunday. I don't care about any, I don't care about the development. I don't care about any of it. Get him through the game healthy for the love of God. Cause it would be sh- so Chicago for some Shakespearean moment to happen to the one thing that we have going good in this city with our Chicago sports. He's the only bright spot across all the board besides what we're doing here at CHGO. It's another bright spot (laughs) for the players on the field across all sports. Justin Fields is the only beacon of hope we have. And just for everyone listening or watching as you're watching, listening to Greg and like that kind of rant that he just had, I'm sitting here and I am softly knocking on wood throughout the entirety of my desk. Just knock this just to be safe. And I know, like you said, you know, jinx or, you know, jinxing be damned. I appreciate you sharing how you're feeling about this. I know a lot of people are behind you. I see in the chat. Uh, I'm there with you uh, in terms of like it being neglectful in terms of being slightly disrespectful to Justin. And this isn't Madden. This is real life. These are real people, real players. And if you derail an entire offseason of Justin, his development, uh, both personally and within this team, then what was it all for at the end of the day? So I totally understand where you're coming from. I just want to say hey to Kurt, who was first in our chat. Uh, Rob's in here. Stephen Nicholas, one of our producers, is right here. And he says he's with you, Braggs. Same thing with Frank. Uh, Edwards asks where's Cody at. He'll be here in a little bit for those Monday Night Football bets. 
Uh, and then also a good question from Rob that I actually was going to kind of follow up with you too. So you and me have been similar this year in terms of like backing up this coaching staff uh, throughout some of those dumb decisions this season and ineptitude that we have seen throughout these weeks, understanding the lack of talent, understanding this team will take time. And even Coach Eberflus today kind of reiterated just building a foundation. And it is more than wins and losses. It's a lot about those habits in the building during games, both on the field and on the sideline. But a game like yesterday, does it have you losing faith and wondering if this is not the right, I guess, group of coaches that the Bears should have for this rebuild? Because, like I said, we've both been backing them up, but with a game full of decisions that have you, you know, more than scratching your head that we saw on Sunday, like, does this kind of creep into your mind a bit of, like, maybe they should move on from someone like Eberflus and his staff right now, or are you still going to be a little bit more patient when it comes to, like, next year? Well, I don't think it's fair to make any kind of an assessment on the coaching staff with the talent they have. You know, we're talking about Justin Fields not having talent around him. Defense, you know, we may talk about the sec. I've talked about how the secondary has developed well, even though we have a lack of pass rush with this team, which we'll talk about later. Well, the coaching staff gets that same excuse too. They don't have the talent. Ryan Poles did not put talent on the field because they're rebuilding this roster. And I, I agree with how they are rebuilding this. So I, cause to me, a rebuild, you rip it down from the ground up. You know, mm-hmm. have they been perfect? Has Ryan Poles been perfect? No, but this is, this is what it takes when you do a rebuild. I've seen it with other teams in the city. I'm a Cubs fan. And, and, it, and to me, you know, we've keep going through this hamster wheel of we have one good year every 10 years. Well, why is that? Because we never build the team properly. We always try to put a bandaid on a gunshot wound. We, instead of just being done with the Mitch experience, when you have some foresight, you, you, you and, and and maybe take Jalen Hurts in the second round and move on from him. You bring in a veteran quarterback, Nick Foles. That's just a waste of time, prolonging the obvious. So they're doing, in my opinion, what's necessary. And the coaching staff, I believe, deserves credit for having this team compete. Uh, the, every week until this, until yesterday, they exactly. competed in every game with the Bills, the Eagles, the Dolphins. Uh, even early in the season, it hasn't been pretty, but that's because the roster isn't good. They've developed players. It is again, it hasn't been pretty. They were talking about it on the noon show with Adam Hogue, Corey Wooten, and them, you know, talking about the secondary. Oh, we don't know about Jaquan Brisker and Kyle Gordon. I disagree respectfully, of course, but at the same time, you have to give this secondary credit. They are, they are improving before yesterday, the last three games against the Packers, Eagles, and Bills three teams that could be in the playoffs, the secondary balled out. And that's with a uh, uh, historically bad defensive line in our franchise's history. Uh, so that's that stuff to coach. They have coached them up to do that. They've developed these players. Jalen Jones comes in, plays well. Josh Blackwell comes in and plays well. Eddie Jackson, before he got hurt, had to me – his best year as a bear with the leadership he showed. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, uh, Jaquan Brisker is a, is a bright spot to me going forward. Get him a pass rush. Let's see how this secondary looks with a, a modicum of a pass rush. Um, Justin Fields. Uh, yes. We're going to give the majority of the credit to Justin Fields, but his coming out party the coaches have something to do with that too. They adjusted after the Washington game. So I think development wise and 
uh, coaching these guys up week to week. I think they've done a good job. Now, do we know about how good they are with, you know, in-game strategy, situational? That's what I mean with Matt Eberflus. The situational stuff I still have a question about. And now what they did yesterday was the stupidest thing I have ever seen in my life. So, yes, that's the first crack in the door. I'm like, oh, my God. Because you got to be able to do it all. You got to develop. You got to coach. You got to understand the situations. And that was a major misstep yesterday. Not just a minor one like you didn't call a timeout right or you challenged something wrong in a moment in a, in during a game. This is your franchise quarterback and you mismanage the situation. Because if you're going to if you're going to tell me oh he should be out there, stop being soft brags, then call plays that are responsible to understanding what your personnel is around him. It was irresponsible. So and I won't hear it any other way. I just won't. So that is something, but again, they deserve next year just as much as other players that are going to be here returning next year deserve this benefit of the doubt to go into next season with a more healthy roster, you know, put together. And then let's see, start making assessments. Next year is a big year for these guys. They're not going to get a pass every year, but this is the first year of a rebuild. So at the same time with criticism that we have, which in my opinion is fair, we do have to take a step back and look at the pros, look at the cons, and they'll do the same thing. They they are going to self-scout themselves when the season is over, and I hope they look at some of these things and improve upon them next year. Well, they better, uh, to say the least there, Greg. And you mentioned the lack of awareness when it comes to situations uh, from the coaching staff and those decisions yesterday. And you know, I couldn't help but kind of chuckle because I find it super ironic because this is a coaching staff that has preached situational awareness, situational smarts, right? That's literally one of the parts of the principles that Iberflus has been laying in part of the foundation since his arrival almost a year ago. Yet the decisions totally counteracted that yesterday. It was very counterintuitive and against pretty much everything uh, that he's told us. And that's what I take exception to because when I hear one thing, and then I see like the actions back up the talk. Great. You're building trust with me. Uh, but when you're asking this of your players, right? Situational sparks. But then as a coach, you're not adhering to it yourself. Just as you went in depth on, that's when I start getting frustrated because it starts to lose. Uh, I think with me uh, a little bit of that trust factor, as I mentioned, and, you know, we'll talk about this historically bad defense uh, later on the show when it comes on because you tasked me last night with research. <laughs> you and- got all this work to do on game days, and I, here I am putting you on the spot on Twitter to go to work doing some research. But you did it, and you didn't let me down. You, you Yesterday you came up with the quick research, and then today you doubled down and came back with even more of an illustration to what I was asking about, so I'm excited to talk about it. And there's more I, ha- I didn't even put on social just for you. So we can talk about it later on, but it is bad. It, it You know, it's bad when I actually got excited when I woke up because I started this last night and I kind of got a glimpse of some of like the stats that I wanted to dive in deeper on. And then I woke up and the first thing I wanted to do wasn't even a cup of coffee. I was like, I'm going straight to the laptop and I'm going to figure this out because I was really interested to see exactly how bad this defense is. And uh, I think everyone who sticks around and waits for it uh, will be, I think, pleasantly displeased uh, by the results uh, that I've been able to kind of come up with here. But it does look like Cody has arrived, and I want to make sure we get him on here with plenty of time before this Monday nighter kicks off 
Cody, guess what? We don't have a stinker. I know. It's it's nice, isn't it? Isn't it nice to get excited about a Monday Night Football game? It's nice to win one every once in a while, Cody. <laughs> yeah, this, this feels like a win, yes, the fact that we get to watch like a good game tonight. I feel like um, out of every single After Dark and bringing you on, this by far and large is the best matchup that we've had. Like I don't even recall having one that we're like, ah, this should be interesting. It's not great, but it'll be fine. Like it's been piss poor all year yeah. until now. Yeah, literally, uh, this might be the best primetime game of the year as far as like matchup, like the matchup, and even like the, um, I guess the implications because I think these two teams are still fighting for like that top seed in the AFC. Um, so. Yeah, no, it's uh, exciting. So, um, with that said, guys, uh, I'm taking the Bengals on the money line tonight. Uh, you can take the Bengals on with two and a half points if you want. I mean, anytime it gets below three points, I always just take the money line for whoever I like. Um, because, especially on the favorite, because if the team wins by, you know, uh, one or two points or if the team that you don't pick wins or covers and or doesn't cover and is because of one or two points, then, you know, it could be a painful bad beat. So that's why, you know, uh, Bengals, at, it's at two and a half. Really doesn't matter to me. Um, if you if you like the Bills, two and a half is, an, is a nice number because uh, that I would tell you to take the money line rather than the, uh, the spread because uh, – <laughs> uh, or I would take. I would rather. I would take. Tell you to take the spread rather than the money line for the favorite. Um, but with the underdog, uh, if they lose by three, then that's painful. So and it goes vice versa in the other direction for a different scenario, right? Um, so anyway, that doesn't matter though because I like the underdog tonight. Uh, the Bengals are a home underdog against the Bills. Um, they've won seven straight. Uh, the Bills have won six straight. But I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But the Bills have been underwhelming to me in their six straight wins. Uh, I was looking at their schedule. They, of course, if you look at their game against the Bears last week, uh, the final score was a blowout. But that game was much closer for majority of that game. Um, and, you know, they, 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 they beat the Dolphins by three at home. And... To me, that's underwhelming just because of the weather conditions. I thought that really benefited them considering the Dolphins play in Miami where it's warm all the time. Um, I remember on Thanksgiving, they beat the Lions by three. Like, they've been – like, they've led a lot of teams that I that I feel like they should be, like, I don't know, at least winning by double digits in. They're letting a lot of teams hang around. Um, and now, now they get a good team on a Monday night in prime time. Um, a Bengals team that hasn't lost at home all year, a Bengals team that uh, is twenty and three against the spread. That includes a postseason since I guess in their last twenty three games. Wow. Um, so I think they're twelve and three against the spread this season as well. So like they've been really good against the spread. Um, Primetime underdogs this year have been very profitable. Um, yeah, I mean. I think for me, Cody, I think what it is is with the Bills, we looked at them as Super Bowl contenders. Uh, Not that the Bengals aren't. They were in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, we look at Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes at this different stratosphere. And Mm -hmm. the Bengals just don't go away. That's the kind of like 
um, identity they have this year. Uh, And, but I feel like both teams kind of win the same way. They just do what they got to do, whether Mm -hmm. it's Josh Allen throwing and balling out, or if they got to ground and pound, I think they're capable of both. And they, they scratch and claw and just do what they got to do to win games. Um, The difference is I just think the different expectation levels we had for both teams going in, especially with, Mm -hmm. with the way the Bengals started initially. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they started four and four, they lost on primetime to the Ravens, and people were starting to talk about or question if you know if the Bengals were going to just miss the playoffs. And then, like I said, they've won seven straight now. They haven't lost since October, and they've beat some good teams. They beat the Chiefs uh, in that in that stretch. Uh, you know, they they were blowing out New England last week. They kind of let them come back, um, but they ended up not only winning but covering. Um, you know, they they've just been. They've been a great team to bet on all year, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm going to just keep riding that tonight, at least for me. I, and, again, I, I think, like, what you're to go off what you were saying, Braggs, is, like, I feel like both teams, like you said, they do a lot of the same stuff. I do think the Bills want to – they they try to throw it a little bit more because their run game can be inconsistent. But I think the Bengals' run game is playing as good as it's been, played all season coming into this game. And at the beginning of the year, it kind of struggled. Joe Mixon kind of got off to a slow start. So I think the team that wins this game is the one who, um, you know, is able to run the ball better and take care of the ball because Josh Allen has also, I mean, we witnessed ourselves last week. He's thrown some interceptions in in the red zone uh, a lot in these last few games, uh, which is uncharacteristic, but, He's kind of like he's he's the he's the guy who makes that team go right. Um, so yeah, I, I if the Bills don't turn the ball over tonight, then yeah, they probably will win. But I don't know. I I just feel like the spot for the Bengals here at home. You got the crowd behind you, you and you, and you're playing really well. You ha- and they haven't lost there all season. Like I don't know. To me, this is like a state more. This this game means more to the Bengals. I think in terms of, I guess, maybe proving to people that they really are for real again because so many people think they are just like the the team that got hot at the end of last year and went to the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think they're for real already. So that's one reason why I want to take them too. So um, I, uh, I regret not putting a small wager on them to win, to win the Super Bowl or at least win the AFC um, a few weeks ago because those odds have come down now. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's what I'm riding with tonight, guys. I, uh, maybe, uh, I, I was looking at the props kind of like the under on, uh, Hayden Hurst receptions, just cause he's been out for three, four weeks cause of an injury and he's a tight end. And, uh, again, coming off an injury, I don't know how he's going to play in this first game back. So I, I, I think it was at three and a half. It's at like minus 140 though. So maybe throw it in a same game parlay if you want to. Um, but I, I don't, there's a lot, there's a lot you could bet on tonight. Uh, obviously a great game, but I just, I'm sticking to one bet and that's just, I think the Bengals win this one. <laughs> what about T Higgins? I hope he goes off tonight. <laughs> what about you? I, I hope he doesn't go off or if he does go off, it's not so much to where he puts up 40 fantasy points. So Greg beats <laughs> me in fantasy football. Um, yeah, no, I, Listen, he, he could have, I can see him having a good game just because uh, they're going to definitely be, um, you know, 
eyeing in on Jamar Chase, right? Like the Bills defense. So they got to give up some something to someone, right? So, uh, yeah, I can see him having a good game. But, again, uh, I hope hopefully it's not like three touchdowns, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll, we'll see about it. He has, uh, what, a touchdown in at least one, two, three, four, four of his last five. Yeah. Uh, but he hasn't had multiple touchdowns. I, I mean, like all year. Lucky you. Oh, wait, that's receiving. Yeah. Oh, no, I was looking at the right column. My bad. We're good. Yeah. He, I mean, I think taking the over or any over on a on a on a receiving or a rushing prop tonight is one of those nights where you know I don't think you have to really think too much about it. That said, both these teams they they have they've gone like most they've, they've gone under in most of their games more than they have over. Um, but with the way that the way that they play and how big this game is, I, I mean, I think the total's like fifty and a half. Like, so you're asking for a twenty-seven thirty game or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, they could easily do that with the way these teams move the ball, right? But both defenses are pretty good too. So I, I don't know. I, I I I lean over on this one, and I have no. I I rarely lean, lean over on <laughs> on primetime games, but. Again, we're getting a good one tonight. Like maybe I, the I, first I, over you take all year in on, prime time. on a prime time on a prime time game. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think the, I think take a do it anytime touchdown like parlay like with Joe Mixon, uh, Josh Allen, and I don't know Higgins or or uh, Jamar Chase. I think that's, I think. I think that's worth the few bucks. Why not? Like, I, I, I think future, future Bear T. Higgins. Future Bear T. Higgins, yeah. who's scoring at least 40 fantasy points tonight. For everyone <laughs> listening and watching at home, Cody is in the CHGO staff fantasy football league championship here tonight against uh, Greg over on the Blackhawks beat. Uh, yeah. So it's a big night for Greg Cody. Boyson, not Greg Braggs. Right. The other Greg yeah, B. Boyson. Greg, the calmer Greg of the <laughs> CHGO bunch. And we have a championship belt uh, that we're working on getting designed that. Hell yeah. Actually, I want input right now on the spot. Like, we want this thing to be one that like gets passed around every year, right? Like, we're not going to mm. buy everyone a brand new one every year. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, oh I'll gladly give it if I win. If I win this matchup, I'll, I'll gladly take it and like hang on to it for a full year and then give it to whoever wins next year or keep it if I somehow go back to back champion. No, uh, Cody, real, real, <laughs> real quick, I have a, a question as far as I need your betting expertise the betting expert um yeah uh, when it comes come true there you there it is there it is um with the bears and the vikings this sunday right now the vikings are only listed as a one point favorite over the bears and i'm curious your thoughts to this because i guess the the common sense explanation is that they Vegas believes that the that that the Vikings are going to rest their starters against the Bears, or do you think that Vegas safely puts an early week line like that until they get confirmation? Like, did the Vikings already get word this early in the week, or or did Vegas, you know, is Vegas playing it safe <laughs> until they know? I w- honestly, I wouldn't even. I- to me, if they're playing it safe, that they would have 
put that line at six or seven points. So in my eyes, they, I guess they know something like, I don't know. Personally, right now I'd slam the Vikings because listen, I watched that game. I bet the Packers on Sunday, like the Vikings cannot rest their players in the last, like, like after what just happened, how can you go into playoffs after a loss like that? Like it, at the very least, like slam the Vikings first half or something like that. I, I, there, there, there's just absolutely no way that the Vikings coaching staff can think that it's smart to rest their players going in the last week of the year, go like after just getting embarrassed right. by a Packers team that they could have ended their season, dude. And yeah, now they there. might put. They might potentially have to play them in the playoffs. So all these Vikings fans I've seen on social media that are still being optimistic, like, I get it, you're 12-3. Hey, I've been there many times, right? But you could have ended their year. You could have, like, finally put Aaron Rodgers, the, the guy that he is, you could have put him, like, six feet under, finally. And and you go out there and you lay an egg, and Justin Jefferson has, like, the worst game of his career. Jair Alexander just trolling him all day, like – just an embarrassment, absolute embarrassment. If the Vikings do that, I, I will absolutely take whoever the hell they are playing in the first round of playoffs, whoever they're playing. And like, it, it's it's not surprising to me that what that that happened to them. Like, I think the, it's not even like a stat, or it's it's not even like just not only my opinion, but it, it's like also like a, a stat. If you go on ActionNetwork.com, like they have a stat of like related to like luckiest and unluckiest teams in, in the NFL. And they had the Vikings at number one for the luckiest teams in the NFL uh, based off however they, you know, measure that. Right. Um, but we've also seen the, like, you can understand why they might think that anyway, just based off all the close games they've been in. You can look at their game they had against the bills where they, they, they should have easily lost that game. But you know, the bills just messed. Like they screwed that ending up themselves. Like they've had a lot of, they've had a lot of games at the end go their way. So like there's a reason that the Vikings, the 12 and three Vikings were three and a half point underdogs on Sunday on the road at green Bay, a team that was seven and eight. Like there's, there, there is, there is a reason for that. They like the books wanted everyone to take the Vikings. And I didn't, I didn't bite cause I like, cause I've thought all season that they're one of the luckiest teams in the NFL. So, um, Basically, to go back to what you're saying, Greg, I would slam the Vikings because I just don't see them like sitting their starters. Like, and if yeah, they I do, agree. I agree. They need the momentum, um, right? You know, it's so. a, it, yeah. I think it'd be presumptuous presumptuous of them. To sit also, their even if they even if they did sit them, do you think the Bears would beat the, <laughs> the second string players for the Vikings, considering what this roster is? Right. I mean. I guess Justin Fields will have himself a day. Is that it's at Soldier Field, right? So like, right. it's not even it's not even at a dome. I I don't know, man. Like, I I would take the Vikings honestly. Like I, I I I think they're at least gonna play them for a half, and that's why I said. Well, you I'll tell you, you what. Safe about it, take them in the first half. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been trying to get this Kari Blazin game money all year long, Cody, and I put five dollars <laughs> on plus. 13,000 on him anytime touchdown and it would have made me 600 
five dollars made six hundred and fifty five bucks and he they get in the red zone and he goes out and runs a yeah. route in the flat and they I cover saw. him and not Cole Komet and then Cole Komet's wide like can we leave the fullback open who they haven't thrown to all year god yeah. dang man yeah Damn. I I watched the pregame show and you said that and then I when I I know exactly what play you're talking about and I was like Greg had to probably have a, a little bit of a heart attack in that moment when that happened I had a few heart attacks I was working <laughs> on a bait I was working on a baker's dozen yesterday yeah so. yeah well, it was a frustrating day on uh, gambling related for on for for Bears reasons it was very frustrating just because the Bears had like for most part all season they've been in like in games and like gave us reason for optimism for the future and there was nothing about that game yesterday that gave me any optimism man like who thought who would have thought the most embarrassing loss of the year was going to come to the lions like diverted i'll I'll give you plenty of optimism once we get to the offseason and justin fields is healthy tell them i mean that's all i care about too man like (laughs) shit the amount of times i was like holding my breath every time he ran with the ball or got sacked. I was like, just put Peterman in there. Let's see him sling it. Shit. Like, I, I just like, I, I, that was, that, that was like the main reason, you know, what was so disappointing. Right. I got you. Exactly. All right, Cody. Well, we're going to move along here for the rest of the show. Thanks again for hopping on. Like you have all season long for these Monday night football bets. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know we already had people on the chat clamoring for you before you hopped on. So I know everyone looks forward to this every single week. So thanks again, man. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Good luck tonight. Yeah, because this Thank is you your guys. last one, right, Cody? Because next say, is week this, is, this the, is the last. Yeah. Is this the last Monday Night Football game? Okay. Well, hopefully, this is the one that I think I was right about last week's game too. I, I hope I've helped people make money. So <laughs> you're doing a great job, Cody. You're one of the best in the business. So keep That's up the right. good work. Yep, keep it up, and like I said, good luck tonight. Uh, Let's go T. Higgins. That's all I'm going to say, and uh, (laughs) we'll see you around. Adios. All right, see you guys. All right, up next, Nicholas Moriano is going to join us. But first, I am going to give you a message from our partners over at Shady Rays because Shady Rays never understood why sunglasses were just so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. They are premium polarized shades. They feature world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone in every lifestyle. Uh, the best part about Shady Rays is that they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. They have lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose or break your shades on day one, day 10, day 100, day 1000, it doesn't matter. They will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You know, It doesn't matter if you drop in a lake off a cliff, literally Anything happens to them, Shady Rays will replace your sunglasses. And even with that strong protection program, they still manage to make quality uh, that I can tell by, you know, holding the Shady Rays in my hands always seem as good as any other expensive pair that I've ever worn. And customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. So for our listeners, Shady Rays, they're running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. That is buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. And absolutely, I am not going to mess this up, Will, because I'm going to tell you all about our guys at Chi-Town Custom Cornhole. The number one 
cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. Their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. Their cornhole boards come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back, LEDs that light up the hole, and exterior handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. Veteran-owned and operated, they can ship anywhere and offer local pickups, specializing in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasions, and especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues. Go check out their website, chitowncornhole.com, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Chitown Custom Cornhole Boards. Bike drop. Boom. <laughs> Next week, we're going to finish strong because, you, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I wasn't, I was like, do I go right now? But then mm-hmm. I, we, we made eye contact and I was like, all right, this is my moment. See, then God, I got stage fright for a second. I was like, yeah, thank God he said eye contact. I was looking here at you. My camera's up here. (laughs) I I could just tell you had that look on your face. Like, Greg, (laughs) start talking. This is you. I was was letting you have that open space because last week you were just bragging (laughs) about how ready you were for it, even though I was concerned. So I knew you had it in the bag like you did. Let's bring on Nick. I want to hear what happened at House Hall today because it seemed... What was the word we used in Slack? Weird? Was it a weird day at House Hall? It was weird, you guys. And I know why that line moved from uh, the Vikings and Bears. It's because uh, there is now, and we might as well get right into what Iberflus was saying today. After yesterday's postgame press conference, it sounded like Justin Fields, you know, if he's healthy enough to play, he's going to play. It seemed like today that narrative has kind of changed a little bit and Here's kind of what um, Iberflus was asked to give some context, exactly the questions that were asked and what Iberflus's exact comments were. So in his post game, like I said, Fields would play if he's healthy. Does that go for everyone? That's what Iberflus was asked. And here's his direct quote. Like I said, we're working on that, on everybody, including Justin. And we're going to visit with Ryan, Ryan Poles, the GM, the rest of the coaching staff, the health of the football team, the entire health of the team, to me is where we were two weeks ago is different than where we are now. And I thought that was important that, you know, we put that last part in there because just two weeks ago, it was full go for Justin Fields. He's going to play the last two games regardless. No, no idea of shutting him down. And then they had discussions during the game. Well, is he going to go out there during the series? And now you're having these discussions this week about whether or not Justin Fields will be actually playing in the game on Sunday. So we have to keep that in mind. And then he was asked to follow up to clarify, you're talking about sitting fields. Well, I would just say that ongoing conversations about everybody, what we need to do, what's best interest for our football team going forward, that conversation we're going to have that all the way through Wednesday, all the way through Friday, and we'll decide as we go. But then he was asked again, if if he's healthy, Justin Fields, is that the case that he'll play? He said, yeah, yes. So there's a lot going on here, you guys, but it seemed pretty, you go two weeks ago, like, like Iris was just saying, Justin's going to play. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case, you guys. I really don't know if we're going to see number one out there against a Vikings team that, you know, you know, are they going to play their start? Whatever the circumstance may be, but it just seemed like all the hits that you guys, you guys were talking about, what they were kind of doing in that game. He took a bunch of hits. He's going out there having to throw behind a 
a beaten up offensive line. Wide receivers are not getting open. He's taking these unnecessary hits in a game that doesn't matter. And now you're bringing Ryan Poles into the the situation, you guys. Like, I wonder if he's coming down there to Eberflus. Like, hold up, wait a minute. We have a <laughs> chance to get the number one overall pick. And Justin Fields, he's has he's already shown us what we need to see. Let's not go out there and risk his health. You, I know Cody brought up Nathan Peterman. That may be the move on Sunday, but I think Eberflus honestly drags this out all the way up until Friday. It was well, like the Thanksgiving, the like the Thanksgiving situation where we right. didn't know Fields was going to play. That's probably the scenario that's going to happen this week where we're not going to have any clarification. Eberflus and Fields will speak on Friday. If if Fields shows up on the injury report, that would not surprise me whatsoever. But I bet you this drags out all the way until. He can he cannot possibly like put it off anymore. Well, we talked about it, Nick, on the post game show. We were saying I brought up your story. You 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 told about being in the press box with Ryan Poles when Darnell Mooney got hurt and how upset, visibly and and what he was saying, audibly upset about the injury. And wow, that's where I was asking, where is Ryan Poles yesterday? Maybe he felt it was inappropriate to go down at the halftime tunnel and. And, and ream out his coach and tell him like, you're not handling this right. And he needs to be gone. Maybe he's not going to, he's not that type of GM, but that gives me some semblance of a hope with these guys that they are talking, that he did say those things about talking with Ryan Pulse. Cause that tells me that is what happened because he didn't say that in the immediate post game presser after the game yesterday. So that, that could be finally, you know, you know, you know, better minds coming together and, and thinking about this rationally, you know? So that gives me hope. It really does because it, it, it was irresponsible the way they handled it yesterday. And it's Ryan Poles' job to talk to Matt Eberflus about this. So he better be, not that I didn't think he would, but just yesterday was just so bizarre. And I just, I just thought it was unacceptable. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I really am. I bet you it was like five in the morning. Alice Hall, he, you know, Eberflus is in like grinding tape or whatever he's doing at five and it's here. I go, I go <laughs> knock on the door. And it's like that little Ryan Pace, like peeking in like, hey, yeah. <laughs> we have something to talk about because I forgot who said it. I think it was Brett in the chat. Like once I heard this afternoon, Ryan Poles' name got brought up. It Something happened. Something has changed between yesterday afternoon and earlier today this afternoon like over those last 24 hours something internally changed and i think that's a good thing and if this is ryan poles taking leadership and accountability and continuing the collaboration with eberflus and putting in his two cents and you know making a strong case or at least making sure his feelings are coming across that gets me excited about you know the person uh, that polls can be as a GM and 100%. a leader of this football team uh, on that side of it, because obviously at the end of the day, it's a head coaching decision. They have to work together, but for polls to like be the guy that like, Hey, like what's the point of playing him? Tevin Jenkins, you know, got re-injured. Michael Schofield got carted off. Like who's protecting him, and what are we actually going to be doing? And I feel like the Vikings will play their starters and we'll talk about that in a segment coming up later on, because I think there's a lot of reasons why they will, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but there's just no reason to Greg's rant to kind of kick off the show, to put Fields in more danger. Would we love the record? 
Absolutely. I would love to see that record be broken for Fields. But at the end of the day, his importance, and I'm meaning Fields' importance to this franchise, is more than just etching himself for a record in terms of rushing yards for a quarterback in a single season. Like he is much more important to this franchise than just getting those extra, what, 55, 60 yards, whatever it is. Like I feel like that would be the Bears' ego at play. And this is the time to show some humility. No doubt about it, Will. Um, and, you know, real quickly, I see Willie in the comments here. I agree with what, what he's saying about Justin Fields needs to still show more as a passer. No doubt about it. And that's why he was kind of in that game towards the end there. That, that's where Flus was talking about, the in-game experience. You can't replicate that off the field, right? The one problem I have with this, and I wrote it in my top uh, takeaways from this Bears-Lions game. I watched it, so you guys don't have to. You go read that at allchshow.com. <laughs> but the thing that really ticks me off, though, about the – the coaching philosophy, the philosophy, right, that, that we say here on CHGO Bears, <laughs> is that that was the reason why Justin Fields – and Justin Justin wanted to stay in the game himself. He said that to Eber Flus while he's on the sidelines. He wants to finish things out. Kudos to Fields. But the thing that Eber Flus talks about, he really values game experience. Mm-hmm. So another guy that spoke today was Valus Jones Jr. The man had five offensive snaps, you guys. And his last offensive snap was that jet sweep that went for 13 yards. At no other point did Valus Jones Jr. get in the game on the offensive side. And that's supposed to be a guy you're building with Justin Fields. I know he's had an up and down year. But how can you not get on the field as a wide receiver, a third wide receiver, you know, an 11 personnel, and just be on the field? And yet he he's preaching, Eberflus, that game-like experience is good for everybody. Why didn't you put why didn't you put Valus Jones Jr. your third round draft pick in the game then at all? So that really like just seeing how he has the standards for one guy didn't really cross over to you know the rook or a rookie as a wide receiver who honestly needs to be out there in those situations. He didn't have an opportunity to be on third down. Didn't right. have an opportunity to be in two minute warning. So that's that ticked me off. Because to your point, Nick, and this is the answer, Willie Beam. This is Willie, yeah, Willie Beeman from Friday Night Lights. It's an honor. Jamie Foxx, <laughs> great movie. <laughs> He's been in our chats before, but I just wanted to make sure that's who it was. To your point, it's not just my rant isn't just about him playing, which I didn't think he should be in in the second half at all. It's how they used him when he was playing. To your point, Valus Jones, uh, end around jet sweep for 13 yards. Use that on the goal line if you're going to run QB instead of QB power and get your quarterback another hit that could potentially put him out. That's stupid. Uh, guess who had the most carries on the Bears? This is going to be a real tough one. Uh, two truths uh-huh, and a tough lie. Tough one. <laughs> Justin Fields had 10 carries. Guess how many Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery had each? Khalil Herbert had Herbert? five, and David Montgomery had six. That's despicable. That's despicable. You have two guys that can be the workhorses that they are and take those hits. And Valus Jones has gotten a red zone run for a touchdown. Well, it was like a pitch run, so it was a technically a pass, I think. That's where I have an issue with. It's not just play. It's how they used him. The Packers game, I thought they had the recipe. Try to play him from the pocket. No sacks taken that day. Throw it out of bounds. Minimal carries he had in that game. Maybe one or two quarterback design runs. They went back to like 
the Dolphins game game plan for yesterday. It was irresponsible, especially after he takes 10 hits. Then you can be like, okay, let's reassess here. And they didn't do that. So uh, that's where I have a problem with it when you say, well, he, you know, he needs he needs the game experience. Not this game plan. I need a better game plan than that. There's my a million third, percent agree. There's my third rant of the night. I, I'll just shut it off and go home. We're going to, don't worry. We'll find a point where we get to the, <laughs> no, you know, like I said, every time I start talking about it, it, I get enraged. Your face even turns a little like pink or red. You don't have like a front light. So it's hard to tell, but there is something going on over there. It's a, it's a shade. That's not typical. Well, it's kind of typical for you, but uh, we'll, we'll get on past that. But real quickly. So, the one thing about Velas that does intrigue me after all of this, though, like the mystery and why he's not out there, is if my memory serves me correctly, that draft pick was obviously Ryan Pohl signed off on it, but it felt like a Matt Eberflus pick. I remember the phone call that they had, and it was like, hey, remember that conversation that we had between it was mm-hmm. Matt on the phone with Velas? Like, hey, remember that conversation that we had on the phone? And like, I, we really connected, and like, this is meant to be, you're meant to be here. And like, it felt like a Matt Eberflus pick. So for him not to even really see the field worries me because I feel like he was someone that Eberflus is very high on. And for some reason, he's not, I don't know if it's like a doghouse, but it's, it's definitely not on like the right hand for him. So I, I don't know what that is, but I just wanted to make sure like I reiterated that because that's a memory that kept popping up on Nick was kind of uh, expressing uh, those updates. What else should we know from how it's all here today, Nick? That seems like the big one. Uh, no question. Is there anything else that we should discuss or at least have an update on? Uh, the only other thing, uh, Jaquan Brisker also uh, spoke uh, to the media, and he was asked a simple question. Have you enjoyed your your rookie season here at the Bears? And ultimately he said yes. The one thing that did have him feeling, I guess, a little regrettable is that he, and he can't really control this. He got injured a couple times. He had the thumb. He had the concussion, so he had to miss you know, some time throughout the his rookie season. And the big thing for him, he just wanted to play a full season because he felt like he was he was rising as a player. And then these injuries kind of, you know, just got in his way a little bit. So he that kind of ticked him off about his rookie season. But when he was out there, when he's healthy, he's nearly played every single snap defensively. And Jaquan Brisker takes a lot of pride in that, um, saying that he can be a factor, tries to be a factor in the plane whenever he's out on the field. So missing that time kind of bothered him, but that's one of the – the young building box for, for the bears moving forward. Nicholas Morrow has talked openly about Brisker and, you know, he shows those tendencies, that leadership quality that you want to see. And, you know, for a guy that is in a season with only three wins in his first year in the NFL, he wants to be out there every single play. And the only thing that ticks him off about his rookie season is that he had to miss time due to injuries, but it, it was, um, you know, for Jaquan Brisker, it doesn't really surprise me to hear that kind of answer because we've seen how committed and how he plays on the football field. Yes, we've seen some, you know, this defense give up some a lot of big plays and things like that, but he's definitely one of the the move the the pieces for this defense moving forward. All right. Uh, I appreciate those updates, Nick. We have uh, a few more things we're gonna get to here tonight. The very next thing that we're gonna do, like right now, is our weekly free agency kind of like glass window shopping at this opponent, man, the Vikings have a real small free agency class this year. There's not a lot of guys like when we're looking at the Eagles and the lions, like the list was long and I had to prune them down. And this was a week where it's pretty cut and dry. And honestly, out of the list, mostly I was like, eh, 
I don't know. So I'm just going to give you the guys I put on my list and you can just tell me if any one of them like pique your fancy. I think that's probably going to be the easiest way to go about it today uh, instead of player by player. Uh, but we have Patrick Peterson. Uh, obviously, I don't think the Bears will go get him, uh, but I didn't want to list him because I just want to say, hey, maybe he'll get out of the NFC North, get out of Minnesota, and that may be a good thing for the Bears. So Patrick Peterson's available this year. Uh, then you have Shandon Sullivan, a 26-year-old cornerback. Uh, he's fourth on the team with six PBU, zero interceptions, 57 tackles, uh, two tackles for a loss. You have Garrett Bradbury, a 28-year-old center, who's the 10th highest-graded center in the league this season. Irv Smith Jr., a tight end. Obviously, he got hurt earlier this year, which led to the Vikings trading for TJ Hawkinson. I'm assuming he's most likely going to be available uh, after the after it's all said and done. Alexander Madison, a 25-year-old running back, I'm sure everybody's well aware of. And then Nick Mullins, a 28-year-old quarterback who, in my eyes, could potentially be an upgrade over Trevor Simeon, but that's just uh, besides the point. But that's really it. Is there like anyone from Minnesota that the Bears may – look into or and maybe you had someone else that i didn't put on my list maybe bradbury the center just because he's 28 which isn't like the oldest but it's not the youngest but 10th highest graded center in the league's not a bad thing it would be a huge upgrade for the bears and i'm sure it wouldn't cost a whole a lot but at the end of the day i guess we don't know but like i said it was a very underwhelming group but i think that's a good thing for the vikings looking as they're continuing moving forward in their franchise well, I, For me, oh, yeah, go was, go ahead, Greg. I was just gonna say it. Yeah, I I, I really like this Justin Jefferson guy. <laughs> <laughs> if he's available for a trade, please, for the love of God. <laughs> That'd be something. I heard he hates Kirk Cousins. That's so there. We go. Weird. I'm gonna start spreading rumors. There you go. No, the internet's a great had. place for that. The internet's a great place to spread rumors. They they kind of carry on fast there, Greg. Um. You know, Irv Smith is actually an intriguing option because I'm sure, like a lot of Bears fans, I'm the Ryan Griffin whole. Oh, so you know, bad. The, what also pisses me off now, mention Ryan Griffin. Why was he the guy targeted on fourth and two? Why are you giving that ball? Like, Justin Fields threw the ball to him and he doesn't convert. He did that. What was it the week before the Buffalo game? It was also a fourth down opportunity his knee hits uh before the first down line like what are we doing giving the ball to freaking ryan griffin i'm sorry that's just ah, things for that frustrate me I, of course i'd just rewatch that and relive that moment again like why the are we throwing it to ryan griffin on fourth down it makes no sense but so that's why i'm going to irv smith as a potential option because it's not ryan griffin Hey, Irv Smith, 88 catches, 844 yards, nine touchdowns in three years uh, in 36 games. So it's not a full three years, but still 36 games have almost 100 catches, 850 yards and nearly 10 receiving touchdowns for a compliment to Cole Komet. Like you said, Nick, like out of the list, like he was up there for me. And the only other one uh, outside the center that I mentioned Depends on what happens to David Montgomery. And every time you look at running back, you can make a case for him. But, I mean, Madison has been behind Cook, so his sample size is small. But he's been impactful. And his market value is only $1.2 million a year, which is like 54th of running backs, which I think for Madison, which would be tremendous value because I feel like he's better than the 54th overall running back in the league. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But that's just another one. But, again, like, uh, overall, though, a little underwhelming free agency kind of scouting for me this morning. Yeah, we can keep the Vikings uh, as the Vikings, and we can get Duke Shelley. 
that's a player that's playing well over there apparently he is playing well over there surprise i mean is that surprising bears go to other teams play well nope, so maybe that happens. it's not too surprising yeah it's just nope. what tyrus tonga <laughs> yeah he's he's over there too all right so uh we're gonna in a bit we're gonna talk about this bears historically bad defensive line and then we're gonna have a discussion to kind of wrap up tonight's episode about this upcoming game on sunday and whether or not the vikings will play their starters because greg's passionate about it and i feel like they will play their starters and uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But before we get to those two final talking points, I have a message to share to you from DraftKings. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season, and the action is far from over. If you thought those playoff games were something, let's uh, let's get to this national championship. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Of course, this national championship game coming up here next week, Oh boy, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching both of those games on New Year's Eve, and I am so excited for this national championship game. And right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win. I think you only got like a couple chances here, so uh, make sure you get on this uh, to get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with the DraftKings same game parlays of course i love the DraftKings app i find it super easy seamless to to navigate and of course uh just getting to kind of like tailor my same game parlays to my liking uh is like one of my favorite things i can tease some things if i'm feeling not ultra confident but also if i'm feeling really good about one i kind of get some better odds too so right now download the DraftKings sports back Sportsbook app and use code CHGO and new customers place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if your team does. That's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And I have to tell everybody about FOCO. Chicago, you already got the best coverage for your favorite teams. So get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco's got you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. Get decked out like tomorrow. I think the Bulls are actually doing their thing right now, Will. If I'm not mistaken, they're actually doing well. There you go. Rocking the Bulls. Throwback shirt there. You can get decked out like tomorrow with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, Foco. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life. Foco's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out foco.com. Click or click the link in the description below for all non pre sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, let's get into uh, this historically bad Bears defense and defensive line. Unfortunate for us, uh, but also very just interesting to kind of look into. So, the question I posed to you guys earlier today is like, do the Bears just need to, and I mean completely, rehaul the defensive line because they have 10 sacks this season as a positional grouping and greg last night was like man i feel like that's like has to be like one of the worst in all time and it is it is the lowest number that the chicago bears defense line has ever had in the season going back to when they started recording sacks all the way back in 1982 and they actually have on stat muse uh, years of sacks prior to that, which, I mean, kudos to them for going back and figuring that out and getting the sacks from those years previous. But it's still, based off of what I found, the lowest total that a Bears defensive line has ever, and I mean ever, had. 
And it's, it doesn't stop there. The run defense, it's historically bad too. They are 50 yards away from allowing the most ever in Chicago Bears history for a single season. They are only 240 yards away, which why does that feel possible this week? Because it had been that bad. But if they allow 240 yards on the ground to the Vikings, that would be the second most that any team has ever given up since 1984 and would be the third most all time. That 1984 team, if I remember correctly, was the Houston Oilers. So it's not even the team that exists today. And the Bears have already allowed 29 rushing touchdowns. That is also already the most in franchise history. It's only three away. If they allow three rushing touchdowns this week, that would, they would have the sole possession of second most rushing touchdowns surrendered all time in a single season. Not in Chicago Bears history but in NFL history. And if they only allow two touchdowns on the ground on Sunday, then they will tie for second all time in NFL history. The 1961 Raiders allowed the most at 36. I don't think the bears allow seven rushing touchdowns on Sunday. So I think that record for the Raiders is safe. So obviously a lot of this starts up front as we all know, and there are players that are set to become free agents at the end of this year. You have Armand Watts, Mike Pennell, and Angelo Blackson. Those are the only three players on the defensive line that contracts expire after this year that you can easily walk away from. That means you have Justin Jones, Travis Gibson, and Alquadine Muhammad all under contract through next season. They have one more year after this under deals. But guys, would it be okay with the Bears' extended cap space situation just to say, screw it, and get rid of them all and don't worry about it. And it's actually not as expensive as you would think. So Justin Jones, if you cut him, the dead space will be $2.5 million next season, but you still save $5 million overall. So that's not terrible, right? Travis Gibson, and as much as you know, a year ago, I would be slapping myself for saying, hey, cut Travis mm-hmm. Gibson. His <clears throat> dead cap space is only 81000 that's it. 81,000. Like that's, that's nothing. That's a blip. He would save a million. And then Alquidi Muhammad, even though that they signed him this past free agency, if you cut him before next season, the dead cap space is only 500 K half a mil. You would save 4 million if you cut him. So overall you cut those three guys, you get 3 million in saving roughly. Uh, oh, sorry. Dead cap of roughly 3 million. And then the savings of 10 million overall, if we just start from scratch, maybe Justin Jones is the one guy out of the group that would bring back. But guys, like, I don't know if I'm like going like, you know, overboard, but just looking at how historically bad this is, as it stands today, the second day of the year, I would just fire everybody and build it from scratch because it it can't get any worse. And this is the definition of it can't get worse because it's historically bad. So that's where I'm at. Maybe Justin Jones is the guy you bring back that you try to upgrade from and takes like a more backup role. And then your depth is better. Right. But that's just where I'm at guys. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's how I feel about it. Like, no, I I mean, yeah, I I don't want any, I don't want these guys being starters, you know, and to me, they can still be depth pieces and rotational pieces. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not out on Dom Rob. I'm not out on Travis Gibson. Like to me, we don't have any interior pass. It's a trickle down. It's just like the offensive line. It's a cohesive unit. And if if one guy's not doing their job, let alone three next to you, 
you're, you're going to take a hit with your stats and your production and your play. And so, you know, that that's where I try to, that's what I was trying to say yesterday. Like, yeah, we have a lot of holes to fill, but it's not like every single hole has to be a star player in order for the team to be good and compete or the defense specifically with what we're talking about right now. So I, you know, yeah, I wanted a, a, a big time defensive end pass rusher from free agency or a D tackle and then vice versa at the start of the draft, you know, you know, depending on where we pick, like that's what they should be looking at. And you had those two pieces alone. And then who knows, maybe, you know, Travis Gibson all of a sudden rejuvenates his career. Maybe Dom Rob takes another step next year. You know, that that's how I'm looking at this right now. So, you know, it's um, no, I mean, none of them to me are starters, with the way they played this year, but at the same time, let's get some guys next to them to, to give a fair evaluation of their full potential. Greg, could I at least get you to say the bears to you can cut have... Al Kadeem Muhammad. Thank you. Thank you. I was going <laughs> to say, if I can't, if I can't get all three Muhammad. of us to agree with that, like yeah. I'm just going to honestly just like exit the stream and you guys could finish the show you because got, if I can't you convince can cut you him. I'll do to cut Muhammad, then cut we got problems. Al-Kadeem so Muhammad. as long as you're okay, again with Gibson's contract and how inexpensive he is, <clears throat> fine, bring him back to camp, whatever. If, if he can earn a roster spot and he's good. I mean, he's played well for the bears before. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent, but like how bad it's been. And I understand like it's all a trickle down effect slash every, you know, you're the sum of all of your parts, and it's hard mm-hmm. when you don't have a, a Khalil Mack or a Robert Quinn to kind of help you out like he's had in years past. I get it. But when it's this historically bad, I just want to like just like wipe my hands clean and, and start anew. But Nick, what are your thoughts about just you know the, the defensive line unit and what polls should potentially look at doing this offseason? Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the lack of production from everybody it's it is astounding like not one of these guys has shown that like in this defense that they have become a better football player which is really disappointing too because early on you guys that was the thing with Iberflus's defense even though they didn't have some of the marquee big name guys he was able to get production out of them right even though they weren't the, the big ticket defensive players there was still production coming out of these guys at this point now going into week 18 we're just not seeing that and you know Dominic Robinson this is rookie season he gets I think he gets he gets a pass from me mm-hmm. Travis Gibson going from a 3-4 to 4-3 back in transitioning uh, I don't want to put that as an excuse but he needs to show stuff he he got the sack that Dominic Robinson I think should have been credited for in the game yesterday but still they're they're not at this point starting material, but for this Bears defense, they kind of have to be because of the lack of productive players they have. And for Eberflus and Allen Williams to get this defense rolling, they do need guys at the three tech position at the op- at the edge, so that you can actually see this secondary even flourish more than what yesterday wasn't a good example of it, but two games prior to that they were. So. There's a lot of holes on this on this Bears team, and I would be okay with some of those guys being depth. Like I'm seeing a lot of uh, in the chat here too. I agree with that. They can be depth pieces, but we need to raise we need to raise the floor with some some dudes on and the, the ceiling front. 
and the ceiling. Everything, honestly, when it comes to this defense. Raise the house. We need bricks. Raise. We need. I know a guy who has bricks. I got a few <laughs> bricks. Actually, we're laying some stone right now. It's the ugliest stone oh. I've ever seen. Ooh. Is it Flint stone? No. Sorry, I've been hanging out with the kids too much oh, throughout this uh, winter break. I know, I know. So I just personally don't believe if you get yourself an edge rusher and a three tech, I don't think it's going to solve all your problems up front. I feel like it's more than just two guys, personally. I feel like it could be a three oh, to yeah. four guy problem. And that's why I'm saying, like, posing the question of a complete overhaul here. Uh, any final thoughts about this situation we have a whole off season to talk about it so obviously we don't have to go yeah exhaust I, ourselves like I, here but like i told you well i want to know <laughs> i want to know if it's if they don't get a sack next week is it the worst of all time of any team no and i don't so, care if it takes you a week to find out no <laughs> so i can tell you that now there are teams that only got like 10 sacks as an entire team in one season there's wow. been, and there's been a few of those. I think the 2008 Chiefs or 2000, the Chiefs not that long ago actually were up there on the That's list, which incredible. really surprised me. But a lot of the other ones were like 1940, 1950s. Mm. And like, it's hard for me to like take those just because they never counted sacks until like 82. Right. So like mm. it's any team after, you know, 82 and after is where I'll do it. Uh, but I will personally share that to you over on Twitter later. Uh, I thought <laughs> it was in my tweet. Last night before I went to bed, just saying, I thought I put the whole list in there, like a link to it. My, so you, you know, you, I was delirious at that point. So it might you're still be. delirious. I'm still delirious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we kind of close shop here for tonight, we need to figure out what's going to happen. And obviously we are the three men that are going to determine if the Vikings are actually playing their starters or not. Like there's no other way, but let me set the stage and then you guys can just kind of fill in the blanks or just your thoughts on it. So I already been very vocal on this show. I believe the Vikings will play their starters and there's a lot of reasons behind it. And like I said, I'm going to kind of set the stage. So right now, after that loss to green Bay, they went from the second down to the third seed. And if the playoffs were starting next weekend, they would take on the giants at home uh, who they just beat a week ago, only by three points. Then if they win, and San Francisco wins in the wild card round, they would head over to the West Coast of Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. And they want to avoid that. They 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 desperately should and would want to avoid that. Not because of well, not only because of them losing home field advantage and like, hey, we, we feel better if we play at home. The 49ers are seven and one at home this season. They are a very good home team. You do not want to go into that environment in a place where they've been winning football all year long and in a playoff game. And that's if the, they win their first playoff game. That's where they'd go. That's right. They would have to beat the Giants, and they, they just did, but it was only by three. Uh, so I, I get it. Like, they would have to go into the second round, and then they would lose. And if the 49ers win at the same time, they would lose that home field advantage because the 49ers would be the higher seed and then they would take them on, so they would have to travel out to the West Coast. So that's why, that's one big reason why I expect them to play uh, their starters, because they're going to want to play for that second seed. Uh, the Vikings, too, by the way, uh, they are 8-1 and one at home themselves. Mm. So they should want to play at home this year. They are 4-3 and three on the road. And again, like if they beat the Bears, and if San Francisco loses to the Cardinals, which I, I know it's a long shot, but what I think the NFL did was really interesting earlier today. And that was put that Cardinals 49ers game and that late afternoon slot. 
So that's that later in the day. So the, the Vikings have no idea what's going to happen to that game. And I think if they sat their starters because they said, oh, no way the 49ers lose. And then, you know, maybe they the Bears beat them because they sit their starters, which I would hate. And I'll have reasons why I'll hate that later. And then the 49ers see that. And then they just like whatever, and then they end up losing. Or maybe they play their starters and still lose. Either way, the forty, uh, the the Minnesota Vikings will be kicking themselves in the ass for not giving themselves a chance at that second seed. So that's why you know for all those reasons, I feel like they will want to just play for like positional seeding purposes. But Greg, you hit it perfectly earlier in this episode when you said they need to find a way to gain some momentum heading into the playoffs because coming off a loss like that. And, and then just sitting your starters does not send a, a good message. They've lost two of their last four. It took them the overtime to go ahead and beat the Colts. I mean, yeah, they had a good comeback, but still, like, yikes. They, they, they went down a ton uh, against the Colts. And I know the head coach, O'Connell, had a quote after the Packers loss that said this is a game of momentum. It's a momentum-based mm-hmm. game. So you if he actually means that, then he should not want to just kind of, you know, take his foot off the gas pedal here this week and then for the bears purposes the bears want to lose like at, at this stage you have you, you want to have to lose because the first overall is in play because the bears can have that first pick with a loss and then the texans go ahead to beat the colts which they're playing sam ellinger there's like there's a good chance is, the is texans that a noon game win. or a three it point. is mm-hmm. i believe that's a noon game and i am going to be scoreboard watching that one uh nick definitely double check that but i feel if like i wasn't doing that. chgo mm-hmm. noon game i would be at indianapolis painted in blue <laughs> <laughs> so i live an hour away is that my job my job <laughs> we, just drive up, drive up there to rally the troops on the cold sideline. However, Man, we got to sure do tickets it. are cheap. Hey, we got to all be Sam Ellinger fans here. I know Joey, producer, Texas, Texas alum there. He's going to be cheering on Sam Ellinger, but we all need to. Cheer Nick, on Sam, I was Sam I was pumping up and Sam Joey. Ellinger before they drafted Justin Fields. I was like, hey, this is a guy, if they don't get a quarterback early, I would look into in the later rounds. I, I still remember like some of my scouting report on him. Good well, he arm, needs to come to play on leader. Sunday. Yes, he, he needs to come to no, play. No, he does not. Sam Ellinger? Oh, sorry, sorry. He needs to not play. I'm saying the complete <laughs> I opposite. the kid, but oh, yeah. I don't want to play that well. Sorry. There too for a second. Sorry, okay. sorry. We're, yeah. we're so rallying the Texans. Texans. Yes. You want Levy Smith? Yeah, no, me. it threw me off. It threw so me off, confusing. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. I'm going to make this clear. First overall pick, Bears no. lose, Texans beat the Colts. You got that, Nick? Yes. No, I, I okay. know it. it, it the simplest <laughs> part of this whole thing is I'm that we need sure. the Texans to win, and we didn't understand it. Okay. <laughs> there, there are two scenarios in which the Bears finish with the second overall pick. Uh, oh, either uh, that's a Bears loss and a Texans loss, or a Bears win, but then you also need Denver and Arizona to win. Like it's, That's a lot to ask for if the Bears win, and this is why the Bears are going to want to lose this game. Uh, if they win and Denver or Arizona lose, then the Bears go down to number three. And if the Bears win and both Denver and Arizona lose, the Bears drop all the way down to four. So you feel like, you know, like you can say, oh, you know, one to four, two to four. That's not a big swing, but it's huge when it comes to players available and draft capital. But do you guys have like 
Yeah. You know, any, I, I know you do, Greg, feel free to jump in, but it's like, I feel like just for everything I've outlined and plus what we talked about earlier, like the Vikings should be playing their starters. Yeah. I'd l- yeah, they should. I agree with all your points there. And if they don't play their starters, I will never forgive Minnesota for it ever again. And then if the bears w- go out there and try to win a game over backups against the Vikings, they, I mean, it's literally just as dumb as what they did yesterday with fields. Like you're trying to set your franchise up. You're trying to do a rebuild, which I feel they've done right by getting rid of, you know, big contracts, getting rid of players that don't want to take a deal. That's fair. Like Roquan, they, they offered people like, Oh, they let Roquan go. They offered Roquan money. He didn't want to take it. Not going to overpay because Roquan's playing this standoff. So I've agreed with what Ryan Poles has done. You, When you rebuild something, we talked about it earlier in the season, Will, in construction, you rip it down and you rebuild it from the start. You don't patchwork. Patchwork nope. never works. It never is sustainable. It might work for a second, but then it all falls apart and then we're back fixing it three years later. It is the exact same concept when you rebuild in sports. I don't it, – it, it's true. And – so I like what Ryan Poles has done, but this that's why uh, also being conscientious of the health of the team and your biggest asset in Justin Fields, it's also Ryan Poles' job to understand the moment here. And this is your chance to acquire a huge draft asset. And I can't emphasize it enough, the difference between two and four. We get one, that's a miracle. And a miracle you should be putting yourself in for, position for But at the end of the day, two is just as big as one because there are three quarterbacks that this league is interested in. I don't know why they're interested in Will Levis, but apparently they are. But I know why they're interested in Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Did you watch them play this weekend here in their college football playoffs? They were spectacular. C.J. Stroud was spectacular against a good Georgia defense. So you have the number two pick and you're – potential of being able to trade back and acquire more picks. If you fall to four, you lose that potential. I don't think there will be a trade back option at four. Somebody's not going to try to trade up to you to get a defensive lineman. That rarely happens. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it happens when a team is trying to get a quarterback and even just one or two spots, you could, you could end up at four, but if you're two, you could trade back to four and just be in the same spot you were already going to be in if you're dumb enough to win. But now you've added yourself a, a additional first-round pick, maybe two, maybe exactly. another second-round pick. Yeah. I mean, there's charts that say what the value of that trade-up would be. And some say that it would be their first-round pick this year and next year and a second-round pick. The Bears have a lot of holes, right? Well, then how are you going to fill this team? By getting more draft equity, more draft spots, more positions can be filled that way. It's really common sense. And for any fan that wants to push back on common sense, I'm going to respectfully disagree as nicely as I can because my patience is wearing thin with some of the the logic we have flying around Twitter and in our chats sometimes. Let's use common sense for once and be a good franchise. The Eagles sat Jalen Hurts when they had the difference between the ninth pick and the fifth pick. 
They used that fifth pick to trade back. They now have the Saints' top 10 pick going into next year while they're looking at a Super Bowl this year. That's what a good franchise does. The Patriots have been trading back in drafts for decades. They are a good franchise. So here is rant number four. I I am literally so angry, (laughs) and I just want to get through the season, and it just drives me crazy. Number two pick, if they don't get it, I'm going to have another freaking meltdown next week. Real quick, any guys? All I got to say, yeah, Yeah. real quick, uh, go Lovey Smith. That's that's how we'll end it. Go Lovey Smith, and the Bears will take care of business because they'll end up losing. But go Lovey. We're we're rooting for Lovey Smith uh, next Sunday at noon. All right, that sounds great. We do have to kind of wrap things up here because uh, over in the studio, they got to get ready for Bulls post game. Rant? No, <laughs> not tonight. Joey Spethis is the Wait, greatest producer on. of all time. I have one AirPod in. If you do a fifth one, I'm gonna have to switch ears, or else I'm gonna have like you know like hearing problems over here in my right one. But no, I, if we had time, Greg, I would definitely find a way to poke you one last you time. Just go, and I'll just yell at everyone <laughs> for the next two hours until I pass out. <laughs> so like, you know how many hours it takes of you yelling to pass out. I think, I think that's would impressive. be two, and then I would just fall down forward. <laughs> you just hear a big thud. <laughs> oh, was that? oh, that was just Greg. Nah, he, he's done. He, he, oh, and it'd be like, like me and the baby, like when he runs around and falls asleep, like, oh, he's so tuckered out. Oh, he worked himself up, you know, like those things. But regardless, I'm going to let Joey get ready for Bulls post game. Uh, I'm going to be professional for him here. So I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, throughout the entirety of tonight's episode. Hendricks, I hope I answered your question. I saw it starred the Bears if they win. And the Broncos and Cardinals lose. The Bears will not still have the second overall pick. They drop all the way down to four. I just want to make sure that's clear because I saw that question in the chat a long time ago earlier in the show. Uh, but I just want to say thanks, everyone, for joining us for this After Dark episode, uh, the last year of the season. Uh, but the good news is we're still doing this uh, after the season. I don't know if you know that, Greg, but we're doing this thing. After Dark is going to live on. Let's go. We ain't stopping this train. Hell no. No, we're not. But we'll talk to you all soon. Have a good rest of your week. And until next time, bear down, Chicago.